Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Hurry and Yell podcast. Today, we are going to go over what we got right and what we got wrong from week three of college football and week two of the NFL. We're going to preview week four of college football and week three of the NFL. I'm going to do my minute on baseball, and we are going to have a whole lot of fun today. Today, we are drinking the Black Butte Porter from Deschutes Brewing. This is a legendary beer. It is like your starter kit if you're into porters. It is an excellent beer from an excellent little spot, Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. The last time I ever got an ear infection was in Bend, Oregon. It was my ninth. It was Christmas Christmas Day when I was nine years old, and I had to go to the emergency room. And, uh, yeah, that was not a fun Christmas. But Bend is beautiful. It is beautiful, and that's an amazing story. Yeah. You know, we always have little little pockets from from the the city that the breweries are from because a lot of them are northwest breweries and we've been to most spots in the northwest Deschutes is actually the most well-known and well-regarded of the breweries that we have had so far on the podcast Um, therefore if you want to find the black butte porter it should not be hard to find and it is absolutely delicious this is a top five beer for me uh, without a doubt. So best this, served cold. Yes. Best served cold, but and in this one is cold, so let's clink and let's get right to it, shall we? Oh, that's good. All right. Well, what we got right, what we got wrong from last week. We're going to start with what was supposedly the big game of the week that would be Clemson versus Louisville, the only top 15 matchup uh, Clemson's defense is out of this world. I didn't watch this game. I haven't seen a single snap of it, but by the sounds of it, it went exactly as I expected. Uh, they bamboozled Lamar Jackson, and Clemson's offense just simply does enough to win. And, you know, Louisville, you know, they're playing at home, but that's not much. What is that? Is that still Papa John's Stadium? Sure is. That's, that's not a good home field advantage. You've got Papa John Stadium for football and the Yum Center for basketball. That's the – So – The Louisville basketball goes from playing in Freedom Hall, a great name, a be- wonderful classic place to play basketball, to the freaking Yum Center. Yep. It is. It actually is a beautiful gym. But, yeah, the, the naming rights were uh, – a little to be desired there. Uh, I did watch a lot of this game. Uh, Clemson was burning Louisville on double moves all night long. And Kirk Herbstreet was saying it all night long. You just watch those Louisville corners. Their best corner was injured. He didn't play. The young secondary for Louisville was biting on everything. And Clemson was taking full advantage. Underrated announcer, Kirk Herbstreet. He gets a lot of flack from... People in general, I'm not sure why. Mostly Ohio State fans because he doesn't kiss the ring. Uh, but really a solid announcer, does his homework, and works like a dog during the season, does game day, does at least one game every single week. Uh, opening weekend, he did three. And he was prepared for all of them. Yeah, he did. So, tip of the hat to the man. He did a great job. I love listening to Herb Street. I like the duo of Nestler and Herb Street. Uh, better than Musburger. I like Brad Nestler. 
Nestler is on CBS, though. Oh, you're right. Not Nestler. Um, who is it? It's uh, Chris Fowler. Yes. Chris Fowler. I like Chris Fowler. Sorry. But, yeah, Chris Fowler does, does a good job with uh, play-by-play. He also looks like a guy that's good at badminton and tennis. I know he's a big tennis fan, but I bet that extends to badminton. I completely agree. Um, so, yeah, Clemson got that one right. Another one we got right. Just We called that this game was going to be absurd. Um, I don't think any either one of us thought it would end on a Hail Mary, but Florida, Tennessee. And by absurd, we mean ugly as hell. Those teams, and, I, and again, I watched most of this game. Uh, those teams are so talented, but are so poorly coached that strange things happen. I think another thing is that they're talented, but they're weak in the rights and the wrong spots. So they don't have, neither team has a quarterback. Um, neither team really has that big impact player on offense. The defenses are solid. Um, Tennessee, you don't defend a Hail Mary like that. You don't. You don't. I, you, you just don't do that. I was, I was happy to see Florida win. Tennessee was the better team. They shouldn't have lost that game. And it was another game where Butch Jones outthought himself or didn't think enough. And I think he's in trouble this year. I think he's gone. I think he's gone. I think Sumlin's gone. I think Malzahn is probably gone as well. It's, Tennessee has a long history. If you are looking like you are just going to be a 6-8 to eight win guy, they're going to knock you out on your ass. Bomber got fired. They pushed Johnny Majors, who was there for quite some time out. Same reason. That because a bunch of health problems. But they do not tolerate the level of football that is being played there. Neither does Florida. See Ron Zook, but... Neither, both programs need to make a change pretty soon. I think Florida is more patient than Tennessee is. Um, they were more patient with Zook than like Tennessee was with Derek Dooley. I mean, I think they gave Zook three years. That's, that's not exactly patient. Still more patient than I would have been. Paul Wolf got four. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh man, Paul Wolf. That's a podcast on its own. Yes, we will. We'll talk about. We'll have a full Paul Wolf <laughs> podcast during. The, the down months, probably February, March, April, somewhere around there, somewhere between the Super Bowl and the draft. And we can just get, get, sit here and bitch for an hour. Yep. But moving on. Another one that we got right, Oregon, Wyoming. Um, again, you know, Wyoming hasn't impressed me. Josh Allen hasn't impressed me. This game I didn't watch. Um, but It went exactly as we said it would. Yep. No surprises whatsoever too much speed yep Oregon you know there still has there's still a lot of question marks on that defense for me uh, they start pack 12 play this week we'll talk about that more a little bit later um, another pack 12 team that Pat got way more right than I did um, USC won so I can count that as a victory but with the way that game went um, I definitely am not calling that a victory for me. That is a 100% victory for you because you called it spot on. So I watched the, I did not see the game as it happened. I was at a game, but I did watch the replay uh, this morning. And USC, that, that's one of the rare times they're playing teams of equal talent. 
and they are not coached well enough to really out-execute anyone. If they don't beat you with their athletes, they're going to have trouble beating you. Uh, Darnold was off. He was getting harassed at Texas front four, and that middle linebacker, I don't remember the name. Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson was an absolute assassin out there. He was just... That was incredible. He was reading run plays and filling those gaps faster than I've seen an NFL linebacker do. It was Bobby Wagner-esque, and then when he... He would finish the play with a thump. Yep. And and that defensive tackle, Puna Ford, loved the name, and he could not be blocked. Number 95. Number 90, don't remember his name. He couldn't be blocked. USC. Secondary was solid. They yeah. weren't great, but they were solid. USC has left a lot, of, lot to be desired, especially on the offensive line for me, because Texas, two weeks after getting absolutely bitched by Maryland, Push that team around. Well, and also USC, they just ran all over Stanford. That's usually a pretty tough thing to do. So this was surprising how difficult it was for them to move the ball. That said, I don't. I think that Texas left a lot out on the field, and it's probably going to be a couple weeks before they get their engines revved up again. I agree. Um, I think. I, I don't know about that quarterback. I know he was a true freshman, tough kid. He missed I he a, was fine. He missed a lot of throws. He but, was fine. You know, making your first start. In the Coliseum at night. Yep. I mean, Texas might have found an answer at quarterback, but the only reason why he even started in the first place is because their original starter was injured, and Tom Herman said when that kid is back healthy, he's going to be the starter. So there's not going to be any Lou Gehrig things going on with that with, an injury replacing, you know, a My normal comments starter. on all of the examples throughout history of players losing their jobs to injury that you went with Wally Pip, Garrig and Wally Pip. It has to be in Wally the Pip. Thirties. Yeah, I mean that was that's the first one. You know, Wally Pip. It's probably not the first one, it's, but it's the first one that people actually know about. He never got it back. Nope. Um. Another, another one, we uh, spent a little bit of time talking about it. Um, we got it wrong, but we weren't surprised if they were going to win, and that's the team USC is playing this week, and that is the California Golden Bears. Anyone who has wa- listened to our podcast the first three weeks knows we, that we love talking about Cal. Uh, it was kind of a running joke at first, but they keep winning. They're not that good. They're not that good. They've had a good set of circumstances for them where they were playing a a team that replaced its starting quarterback. Then they played a one double A team. And then they played a team that is probably not going to make a bowl game either because they're not very good or they're going to self-impose sanctions um, in Ole Miss. But you know what? That being said, 3-0 is still 3-0. 3-0 with beating two Power 5 teams. There's not a lot of other teams in the country that can say that. You want to preview the game now or you want to do that later? We're going to preview USC Cal a little later. we got to finish talking about what we got right, what we got wrong. Uh, we're going to move to – or no, one more one that we got right, that I got right at least, and Pat didn't disagree. Uh, my upset pick, Mississippi State over LSU. Um, I said last week I wasn't very confident, but because I felt like I had to pick an upset, I went with Mississippi State, and holy shit, did I get rewarded there. I think the, it's not so much shocking that Mississippi State won, 
It's that they won by 26 points, which means they had to score 33. I think it was 37 to 7. I think they won 37 to 7. They yeah. scored 37 points. Yep. Which is an achievement for Mississippi State. That's you could total up probably their last four games against LSU and not hit 37. I think that they may be the stiffest test to Alabama in the conference. Well, Alabama might have a little bit of a test against Vanderbilt this week. Vanderbilt beat Kansas State. Um, I'm not sold very much on Kansas State, but it's the first win over a non-conference ranked opponent for Vanderbilt since the 50s. So Kansas State shouldn't have been ranked. Vanderbilt sucks. Still got to give them a little bit of props for doing that for the first time in seven years. Vanderbilt is trying to play Stanford football without athletes or size. Um, I think that's a fool's errand, and I'm not – yeah. I, I give them very little credit. Kansas State will lose to anyone, anywhere. Even when they were good, they'd lose to mediocre t- non-conference teams at home. So that's what we got right uh, and what we got wrong in college, what we got right and wrong in the NFL. Uh, we got the Falcons right. Um, is that the best team in the NFC right now, the Atlanta Falcons? I guess. I mean, they probably are, but they barely beat the Bears, and you know they look good against the Packers. But it's just that's a bad matchup for Atlanta or for Green Bay. I mean, that's just a bad matchup. So you know, they, they, Atlanta's good. They got a lot of speed. Um, they're probably the best team right now, but I don't think they're going to sustain it for the whole year. I know you're a little bit further south on Atlanta than uh, than most people are, um, but. Still, probably, as of right now, and again, you know, two weeks, say what you will, but they're probably the best team in the NFC. Uh, Another team that can stake their claim, even though they've only played one game, they looked pretty good in it. And again, it was against the Bears, but Tampa Bay looked good. So, Mayor Culpa, I'm never picking the Bears for an upset. Again, that's two weeks. Uh, They gave me hope in week one. They reverted back to their natural form in week two, and you can start – Set your watches to John Fox getting fired on Black Monday. And Trubisky will be the quarterback by Halloween if he's not before. And Uh, then he'll get hurt. Probably, because that is not a good offensive line. And now Jordan Howard is injured. Thanks a lot for that trade. Thank you for the draft pick. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So Andy from a baby. Yeah, every year. Every year, (laughs) it seems like we make a trade. Ever since I gave you Jake DeLome. Or I traded – no, you gave me Jake DeLome for a haul, which I gave you because I needed a quarterback, and I ruined my season in like 2009. Still the worst trade I've ever made was giving you Antonio Brown for Doug Martin. I mean, come on. Nothing's going to top that. That's pretty bad. Yeah. That's pretty bad. I had Demarius Thomas. I thought I would need a running back, so I wanted, I said, what do you want for Doug Martin? I had Demarius Thomas and Antonio Brown. I didn't know anything about Antonio Brown. I just thought he was a little receiver that made some catches. And you had – a. You had I had him. the muscle hamster, but I was willing to part with him. That was a good trade. So since it's a keeper league, so he's not letting Antonio Brown go. Um, another one that we got wrong, uh, we called Minnesota over Pittsburgh, both of us. We called it when Bradford was still healthy. I think if we had known Case Keenum was going to be the starter, we would have gone the other direction. That's an understatement, yeah. <laughs> but... You know, Minnesota looked good week one as well, but this Bradford injury, this is the same knee that he's hurt a couple of times already. So this is worrisome for Minnesota. You are not winning more than six games to Case Keenum. 
So he needs to get healthy or else another season with that great defense is going to be lost. Yeah, and that uh, that sucks for me because Minnesota was one of my playoff teams. Um, so I uh, And I like Sam Bradford. Um, I feel bad for him. He's always been a solid but unspectacular quarterback. Um, but it seems like he's always had a different offensive coordinator every year, no matter what team he's been on. Uh, there's no stability for him whatsoever. You know, if you ever want to feel bad for him, just remember that he got every dime of his rookie contract, which was fifty-eight million dollars. All right, never mind. That's true. He was the last. It was the he was the last he was the one. Last one. That way, he was a straw that broke the camel's back, and he's a mediocre quarterback. And his children's 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 won't need to work. That's true. That's true. I feel bad for him, not financially. Let's just say that. Unless he handles his affairs like Vince Young. Vince Young. Speaking of Vince Young, he looked fat. Uh, saw him on the Texas USC sideline. You knew he'd be there holding up the hook'em horns. And oh my God, he has been eating well. Those Texas boosters are making sure that their legendary quarterback is well fed. He which will is, not go hungry. Which is funny because McConaughey looked underfed. He looked like a like a skeleton. Yeah, he's been looking a little uh, Dallas Buyers Clubby. Lately. Yeah, maybe he's getting ready for another role, or maybe he's just at the buffet with Vince Young, and so there's he's nothing left for him. behind him in line. Yeah, nothing left for him. Uh, another one that we got right, easy call, but the Patriots. I mean, that was kind of a, a get right game for Tom Brady. And I thought it would be closer than you did, but did you know that that's the only time in his career he's thrown three first quarter touchdowns? I read that. I, it surprises me. I thought he would have done it already, but uh, no I mean, surprise. No, New Orleans defense is awful. New England still trying to figure out how to work all those toys in. New England's going to be fine. They're still going to go thirteen and three, twelve and four, playing the worst, second worst division in football. Yep. So yeah, don't worry about them. They'll still make the probably make the uh, AFC championship game. Um, From there to coin flip. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of the AFC West. The AFC West, again, it's very early, but they could stake a claim to three of the top five teams in the NFL. Oakland is clearly the most talented, I think, but they are going to get, they don't have a lot of depth, and I think they're going to get banged up. I think Oakland's most talented on offense. Kansas City was the most talented on defense before Eric Berry got injured. Now it's probably Denver. On defense, but Kansas City's offense is loaded. I think Kansas City's the most most well built team in terms of offense and defense. Taking a few years, and now apparently they can throw the ball downfield. Yeah, just in time for them to talk about trading Alex Smith next year. So you know, we Colin Kaepernick's available. So we might have an, Well, they have Patrick Mahomes, who they drafted in the first round. Um, if that guy gets anywhere near a football field in the next two years. It's a disaster. Well, I just want him to take as long as possible because I want one of my favorite NFL records to keep going on, and that is Kansas City drafting quarterbacks that have not won a game for Kansas City. The last time a Kansas City drafted quarterback won a game for Kansas City was in the 80s. Todd Blackledge, 1983 or 84, I believe. That's ridiculous to me. I mean, I know that they've had a lot of free agent quarterbacks, but you have, and they haven't drafted a lot of, of quarterbacks at all, but still that boggles my mind. 
you know, it's also they also have a streak of twenty four years since they last won a home playoff game. And I think both of those and when that's a solid, solid organization that for some just has these blind spots in their history. Yep. I, I think that streak's gonna come to an end this year. Um, <laughs> I will never, ever, ever, ever pick the Chiefs to win another home playoff game. 95, they let me down. 97, they let me down. How old are you in 2003. How old are you in 95? I was 10. Okay. Steve Bono, 1995. And we're back to Steve Bono. Lynn Elliott misses three field goals. Just so you guys know, we are going to try (laughs) and bring in Steve Bono somehow in every single podcast. We're not even going to try. It's just going to happen. He's a very relevant character. Tavarik Vanover, loaded defense. Then they lose in 97, they lose in 2003, they lose in, what, 2009, a Matt Castle year. And then they, uh, they've they lost a couple times with Andy Reid. Yep. And it's always low-scoring games, and they always just bungle it up. So Yeah, that game against Pittsburgh last year was a perfect example. It was 13-9 yep. or something like that. Andy Reid shows all of his cards. He went all in on, like, the – on the blinds, practically, when in the on that first drive against Pittsburgh, got a touchdown, had no gun, no bullets left in his gun, and Pittsburgh just shut him down. And then the final game that we uh, talked about last week, I got right, Pat got wrong. That's the Lions Giants. Um, the Giants' offensive line is an absolute train wreck. You hear a lot about that a lot more if it wasn't for Seattle's being the way they are. But I mean, everybody kind of sucks right now. Yeah. I think football in general is just getting worse and worse because they can't hit each other in practice. They can't practice, you know, blocking and the offensive lines are suffering. And because of that, everything else is suffering. There's no position in football that is more reliant on reps and continuity continuity than the offensive line. I don't believe they have two days anymore nope. in the NFL. You don't hit as much. Uh, college really I mean how how many teams line up in a three point stance in the college game anymore? Not a whole lot. So there's all of these things that result in September every year being just a, a glorified preseason. And it's really, really sloppy football. Um, the Giants, they're they're really bad. I mean, I think McAdoo, that's the name of their coach, I think he's going to have the shortest tenure as a head coach for the Giants since the great Ray Handley in the early 90s, who followed Parcells and then was followed by Reeves, Dan Reeves. And uh, I'll be interested to see who the Giants hire next year. They don't put up with this shit either. They don't lose. That'll be very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, McAdoo throwing Eli under the bus yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, by the way. As as some of you may know, I am catching a plane to New York City tomorrow morning. So we're recording this on Tuesday. So Monday Night Football was last night. McAdoo throwing Eli under the bus. The man's won two Super Bowls for that franchise. I thought that was uncalled for. I'm completely wrong, but... That's just me. Eli is a really inconsistent quarterback, but you don't need to do it in the press. 
So that's what we got right, what we got wrong last week. We're going to jump right into college football week four. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is a couple of teams that we've already talked about. That's USC against California. I think this is where California's magical ride comes to an end um, as far as an undefeated season. Uh, <laughs> I, I love what they're doing. I love what they're doing, but I don't think they're going to keep this within two touchdowns. I think it's probably going to be a four-touchdown game. It's going to be a slow bleed. Uh, USC. So Cal, uh, they tackle well. They try really hard. They don't have a lot of talent. I don't know how that's really possible because Sonny Dykes always beat his chest. He's recruiting well. But there's not a lot of athletes there. Um. Justin Wilcox's defensive scheme is great against intermediate throws. You can beat him over the top anytime you want. So USC is going to beat him over the top, and they're going to run the ball down their throat. So this is it for Cal. I still think they got a good chance of sneaking into a little bowl game, but this is going to be a rough night for them. Yeah, I think they're going to make it to like the New Mexico Bowl or something like that that takes place before Christmas. But I think Which, if you given their dearth of athletes is an achievement. And if you ask Cal fans at the beginning of the year, would you take the New Mexico Bowl? I think most of them would. Um, I think this is going to continue a trend for USC where looking flat one week, then coming out strong another week, then looking flat another week, the week three coming out strong week four. Hopefully that carries over and they look flat week five against my uh, Washington State University Cougars, but we will talk more about that game next week. Um, so yeah, I think USC wins this game. I'm going to say final score 34 to 13, 42, 14. Okay. So yeah, we both think it's going to be pretty bad. Um, another game of the PAC 12 replay of the PAC 12 championship game from last year, UW Colorado first real test for both teams. Um, Colorado replacing the pretty much their entire back seven, um, Nine of eleven starters on defense, and their quarterback, um, and UW replacing again a lot of members of their secondary. Um, haven't really seen a lot from either team as far as needing to, you know, try that hard. Dante Pettis, three weeks, three punt returns for touchdowns. Do you think he gets number four this week? No, I don't. Colorado is a little bit too well coached to let him do that. Um, I saw UW in person last week, and they look good. They do – they're really excited about doing the little things, which when you're that talented and you're that good, the effort they put in and the enthusiasm into chip blocks and blocking on kick returns and things like that is really impressive. It's all coaching. You can run on them, which is surprising given their fat asses in the middle, but they're just – the way their alignment is, if you can double down those defensive tackles, you can run between the guard and tackle gap. Um, their run game hasn't been clicking lately. It's a little sloppy, as it was last year. They don't have any horses up there, but that's not going to stop them against Colorado. Against a team like USC, UW won't be able to run the ball. But, but they wouldn't play USC until the Pac-12 exactly. championship game anyways. So Montez is a Colorado quarterback. He's a much bigger matchup problem for UW than Lufau was last year because 
he couldn't throw the ball, and Montez can. Montez can get it downfield. They won't be able to crowd the box, and Colorado will be able to run their power and their running game a little bit more. That said, UW's going to win this game by 20 points. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think UW is going to win probably 31-20. I think it's going to be within within 11, 11 to 14, somewhere around there. Um, Colorado's defense, uh, they lost a lot, including their defensive coordinator. Um, still, from what I've seen so far this year, they've looked pretty good. I know they haven't played anyone, but they still seem pretty pretty sound. They still tackle well. So I'm interested to see what that ha- what, what happens there. Um, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with uh, with UW's offense for four quarters. When you were replacing nine of 11 guys and you've got um, an offense that does as many personnel groupings and shifting and trick plays and just general hijinks that UW does, that can lead to some serious problems. So I think UW's going to catch them with their pants down a few times and get some big plays. Okay. All right. Um, another game that we um, wanted to talk about a little bit was Purdue, Michigan. Uh, I'm going to defer to my partner in crime here a little bit about that game. So this isn't my upset pick, because, but this could definitely, definitely be an upset. Michigan hasn't looked great. Uh, offense isn't clicking. Defense is solid. Purdue's got a coach that somehow has taken over what Daryl Hazel left him and created a pretty dynamic offense that's very creative. Michigan's defense is really good, but uh, I really think that Purdue, if they keep Michigan under 30 points, they can win this game. And given Michigan's plotting attitude on offense early in the year, it's a definite possibility. Yeah, Mi- Michigan's the team in the top ten probably that has impressed me the least. Um, other than, I mean, Florida State, you know, they're 0-1. They lost the number one ranked team in the country, haven't played since. I don't remember a whole lot about them because it feels like it was like two months ago that they played. But other than that, Michigan hasn't really impressed me so far. They've... They've won pretty much like we've thought they would, where it's just been a slow bleed and they've just been wearing teams down. Um, I think that's going to come back to bite them in Big Ten play. I don't think it's going to do that this weekend um, because they're just going to be able to lean on Purdue. I I think it's going to go pretty much like Michigan's Michigan's games have so far this year, where they're going to be close at halftime. And they'll get a two-touchdown lead in the third quarter, and then they'll end up winning by 20. But it's it's not going to be impressive. I'm excited to see what they can do. Well, I'm excited to see Michigan against a team that they can't do that against. But I don't know when the first time they will do that is. So I don't know who they play. I haven't looked at Michigan's schedule, so I don't know when the first time that will be the so case. So whenever they run into Iowa. Iowa. Speaking of Iowa, good segue. Now we are going to get to my upset pick of the week. Um, I might be going on a very, very thin limb here with this one, with the way Penn State has been playing. Branch is shaking. But I'm going to pick Iowa over Penn State as my upset pick. Um, I'm doing this because Iowa always seems to 
knock off a top five team at home every year. It's usually, you know, Wisconsin or it's Michigan. Um, I think that this year it is going to be Penn State. And I think that the final score is going to be something like 23 to 21. Well, I'd be very happy if that happens. That said, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Uh, that usually happens late in the year. Iowa creeps up on somebody. Cold weather. Teams are banged up. You can't really throw the ball because it's the Midwest in, in November. And everybody's dying and doesn't want to be alive. Um, Penn State, their offense is entirely about isolating their athletes in space. As we all know, Iowa doesn't have any athletes, especially at linebacker. So if they ever get caught with Barkley and man coverage against a linebacker, that's a touchdown. And that entire offense is based on freeing up those matchups. I think Penn State is going to destroy them. That said, if this were two months from now, I think Iowa would win. Well, that's why they play the game. And uh, like I wasn't very confident about my Mississippi State pick last week. I'm honestly not very confident about my Iowa pick this week. Um, so let's let's see what happens. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to watch that game. To interject here, it is about the midway point of our podcast. Therefore, it is Brian's favorite minute of the evening and where he gets to talk about baseball. So I'm going to set the timer. You'll have 60 seconds where you can talk about anything you want about baseball. Time starts now. Okay, so first of all, we are recording this podcast on Tuesday, as of Tuesday, uh, September 19th, with most teams playing 12 games, having 12 games left. The single-season home run record was broken. Alex Gordon hit a home run. It was like the 5,647th home run of the year or something, breaking the record from 2000. Um, that's going to get obliterated as most teams, like I said, still have 12 games to play or something like that. Um, I'm not going to say steroids. I'm not not going to say steroids. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's this new approach on launch angles started by Daniel Murphy. That is just getting everyone up and up in arms and, and everything like that. So congratulations to everyone who's hit 20 home runs, which it feels like is the entire league. The other thing I wanted to say is this has been the most boring pennant race. And that's time. Most boring <laughs> pennant race ever. That's all you get to say, and I think that's the only point to be made. It has not been very exciting. Yeah, I mean, pretty much there have been the only race is Yankees-Red Sox, and they're both going to make the playoffs anyways. So Moving back to football. Back to football. So I had my upset pick. With Iowa-Penn State, I am ready to hear your upset pick. Arizona State versus Oregon. I'm going to keep trying to find ways to pick against Oregon until they finally lose. Uh, ASU, they haven't looked great. Um, they're not very good. They've lost to San Diego State and Texas Tech. That said, I could see them rising from the ashes. I believe this game is in Tempe which means it's going to be a little bit warm. And it, Oregon down there, it's probably going to be at 8 o'clock start. I could see it just cause causing trouble, that blitzing defense. 
Maybe Willie Tager doesn't know that Todd Graham steals signs and they're all over it. He's actually come out and said, I don't care if they steal my signs. So he's heard about it. But well, I think he'll care once Todd Graham does all of his late audibles that he's signaling in madly and their plays keep getting blown up. I think that would be hilarious. There's uh, two friends of mine. One went to Arizona State. One had a daughter who went to Oregon who have bet a fifth of Jack Daniels on the outcome of this game. Uh, the person who is the Arizona State Stun Devil is resigned to the fact that uh, he's already paying it pretty much, but maybe hearing this podcast will give him a little bit of hope. Speaking of Jack Daniels, which is in Lynchburg, Tennessee, did you know that the distillery is in a dry county? That's what you call the ultimate tease. That's just not fair. Um, I did not know that. I did not even know that it was in Lynch. I did not know there was a Lynchburg in Tennessee. I'm surprised there hasn't been a mob about the name of the city. Um, it's only a matter of time, I guess. But this isn't a political podcast, so we're not going to get into that right now. We only have like three listeners right now. Otherwise... Uh... You know, somebody will be going down and carrying it over Lynchburg side. And then we would be in trouble. <laughs> Moving on. One more college game. My, and it, it's probably the best matchup of the week. <laughs> Two top 15 teams, top 20 teams, depending on rankings. My most underrated team has a chance to make a real statement here with the TCU Horn Frogs against the Oklahoma State Cowboys in the battle for the second spot behind Oklahoma in the Big 12. Um, I think these two in Oklahoma are the class of the Big 12. Um, I'm excited to see this game. Oklahoma State's offense is real good. TCU's TCU's defense is good, but I think Oklahoma State can score on pretty much anyone. I would want to see an Oklahoma State-Clemson game just because I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to go with TCU just because they were my preseason underrated pick, and I'm going to stick with them. So I'm going to pick TCU to win this game 34-31. Um, go Horn Frogs, but I think this is going to be a fun game with a lot of fireworks. You know what sucks is we're probably not going to be able to see whether any of these games um, when they happen. But Oklahoma State will not get through this season unscathed. But they're going to win this one. I think they're going to win by about 10 points. They will not score less than 40. Uh, they can just throw the ball downfield to those receivers anytime they want. TC wins that would be great. I think Oklahoma State's a little bit of a paper tiger. But – We'll see. We will see. Um, and, yes, this game, unfortunately, we probably won't be able to watch this because we are both going to be in New York watching our best one of our best friends get married on that day. Congratulations, Steve, um, if you ever decide to listen to this podcast. Doubtful. But, anyways, so that does it for college uh, football. We've got some NFL games um, I'm going to start with the stinker of the week. Every week there is a game that just you look at it and you're like, who would want to watch this game? Uh, it's an easy pick this week. Sometimes there's three, four games that it's like that this week. It's an easy choice with the Colts Browns. 
Interesting factoid on this one. This is the first time the Browns have been favored in a football game since 2015. Wow. I think they win this game by 20 points. I think. I think they're going to win as well. I think <laughs> Jacoby Brissett obviously yeah. is a better quarterback than Scott Tolzien. And the, the Colts were more competitive last week. Against a bad Cardinals team, though. And they went into overtime, and it was, what, 13-13 going into overtime. Scoring, for as much as it is up in Major League Baseball, it is down in the NFL. There are a lot of bad offenses. Kind of reminds me of uh, the mid-2000s when there was no quarterbacks. You had Peyton Manning. You had Tom Brady. And... It was nothing else. Favre was past his prime. Rodgers wasn't there yet. You had, I mean, who was it? Dante Culpepper. You had Michael Vick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no one you could really yeah, hang your hat Spurgeon on. Spurgeon Wynn was probably starting to, we could get the spot start here and there. Like Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, things like Seneca that. Seneca Wallace. Just, it's, it's ugly. It's really ugly. Damon Heward was still in the league. That gives you an idea. It is, man. Some of the quarterbacks that are starting games, um, Deshaun Kaiser looked like a 19, 20-year-old rookie last week. He's going to have games like that. The Baltimore defense is solid. It is. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, I thought he wasn't very good in college, so the fact that he's starting. did he go to college? He went to, he went to Florida. Really? Yep. He went to Florida. and That's what he did. Yeah, exactly, because Florida still hasn't had a quarterback since Tim Tebow. So... Or Will Greer. Yeah. Chris Lake. My man, Chris Lake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, quarterbacks like that. I mean, Case Keenum in Minnesota is another one. Uh, Tom Savage before he got replaced by Deshaun Watson. I thought that was going to happen this year. I did not think that was going to happen halfway through game one. <laughs> Uh, it's the right decision, though. I think Deshaun Watson will be the answer in Houston long term. I think he's going to be a above-average starting quarterback. He will be, just not in Houston. Really? Yep. I think he's going to get banged up. He'll never reach his potential. They won't re-sign him. They'll find he'll find Bill O'Brien will find some other rookie he wants to ruin, and. Watson will end up damaged goods somewhere and tear it up. After uh, Jeff Flacco in Baltimore. See, there we go. Yeah. You guys, his, his future written. So, yeah, that game, I agree. I think the Browns are going to win as well, which shows you the state that the Colts are in currently. We spent way too much time on that game. Agreed. So let's talk about two teams that I think are going to make the playoffs. That's the – if Sam Bradford can get healthy, and that's the Vikings and the Buccaneers – um, Sam Bradford, like we said earlier, needs to get his knee right. Um, I'm very worried about that pick just because because of that. I liked what I saw from Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is the second best team in the NFC South, and I think they could make a case where they could actually overtake Atlanta. I think they're both somewhere between seven and nine and nine and seven football teams. I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one though. I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one, too. I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one, even if Bradford starts, because obviously he won't be 100%. And I don't know what the over-under is, but bet the under. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the other game, 
that we want to talk about, spend a little bit of time on, is the Seattle Seahawks and the Tennessee Titans. This is a long road trip for the Seahawks, but it is a 1 o'clock Pacific start, so that helps. Um, Tennessee looked pretty bad against Oakland week one, but then looked pretty good against Jacksonville week two. So Jacksonville always makes teams look pretty good. Except for the Texans in week one. But, yeah, I'm excited to see this one. I want to see which team is going to show up for Tennessee. And I want to see if that offensive line is going to do anything for for Seattle. A couple things on this one. Uh, Seahawks always, always, indubitably, always struggle with powerful interior defensive tackles. Jarrell Casey is a load. Um, one of the few defensive players worth a damn from the Lane Kiffin USC era. I don't know who's going to block him. I don't know what the CX are going to do to block him. They have trouble adjusting to that kind of thing when there's just an ass kicker in the middle. Uh, and Dominic Sue in week one last year. Exactly. That's a great example. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald twi- every time. Tw- twice a year. Calais Campbell, although I guess that's more on the outside. But Titans have a really diverse run game, and the Seahawks had trouble with their run fits last week, especially late when they got tired, which is the first time in September in the Pete Carroll era I've noticed that the players are just getting tired late in games. Conditioning is a problem. I also noticed that later in the Pete Carroll era at USC. So I wonder if... Maybe the uh, the governor's coming off a little bit, and the discipline and the urgency isn't where it needs to be. Or it could just be that guys are just working their way into game shape like Shaq used to be when he was with the Lakers. He coming at 450 pounds. I think the Seahawks are going to win this game because the Titans' defense, although pretty aggressive, just aren't very good, and the CX eat young quarterbacks for lunch. I think that this Seahawks, I think the Seahawks need to take advantage of a secondary for the Titans. That is probably the weakest part of their defense. Um, and they're going to need Chris Carson has got to be the starting running back for this team. Enough with Eddie Lacy, who was, he was a he- healthy scratch. Thomas Rawls can be uh, a good, you know, backup bowling ball. Uh, Pro size if he can catch a pass. I mean, he's a third down back. He's there to catch passes. As bad as the offense was last week, if there any anybody to catch a football on the team, they score 28 points. So, everyone talks about the offensive line and everything like that. But if they could catch a football, this uh, – oh, we, they got well and they blew out the 49ers. That would be the story. Tanner McAvoy. They hit you in the hands. Which one? The one in the end zone he at least had to jump for. The one where no one was within 12 yards with, of him right around midfield literally hit him in stride. And, of course, you know, everyone's saying, where's Cason Williams? Where's Cason Williams? Um, he sucks. I, I, think, <laughs> I think McAvoy just wasn't paying attention, lost his focus, especially on that second catch. Bad the, weather. Bad weather, yeah, but you know you're a you're an NFL wide receiver. You got to make those plays. The indoor practice facility has been the ruin of teams being able to play outside. Of all the teams in the NFL, you think the Seahawks could play in the rain? You think Russell Wilson could play in the rain? 
You look at Russell Wilson's worst games ever, 90% of them are in the rain. He can't throw in the rain. Funny, you were mentioning the same things about uh, practice, indoor practice facilities in college. Remember, after we were talking about Texas, Maryland, where teams are getting a little soft because they're getting the nice, expensive facilities. You know, the University of Texas has like a 48-inch flat screen above every locker and everything. I don't have a problem with that, but Seahawks shouldn't suck in the rain. This is true. <laughs> Being in Seattle where it is raining right now. Fall kicked the, kicked the door in a couple days ago, and it's been a downpour ever since. Yep, so it is raining in Seattle. It will be raining until probably June, so we are going to have to get used to it. It was a hot, miserable summer. Hot smoky, dry summer. We set a couple of records. Most days in a row over 70 degrees. Most days without precipitation. Uh, we're probably going to set another record. I would, wouldn't be surprised if most days in a row with precipitation here. We set it last year. I think we're going to set it again. I think, I think this is becoming two extreme seasons in Seattle. You're going to have hot, dry summers, which last about three months. And the other nine months of the year is just going to rain. And we'll leave it to the scientists to explain why that is. But I think that we can notice some global trends. Wow. We are getting political <laughs> with this podcast. We're talking about uh, lynching Lynchburg, Tennessee. No, we didn't talk about lynching. <laughs> we didn't talk about lynching, but we talked about Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Tennessee. We talked about global warming. <laughs> we are just getting touched it. We, we just grazed it. So you go into it at, at, at a different time. When yeah, we actually get listeners. We can definitely uh, talk about anything that you guys want us to talk about. So if you guys want us to talk about global warming, I'm sure we can spend <laughs> some time talking about that as well. We're all about the listeners Stick here at Hurry. Sports is what we'd hear, but we're all about the listeners here at Hurry and Yell. Both of them. Okay, uh, the final game that we're going to talk about: Lions Falcons. Uh, we've talked about both teams last week. Uh, both these teams are 2-0. I think the Lions have actually looked a little bit more impressive so far than the Falcons, but I think the Falcons are a better overall team. couple things on this. Lions are great at disguising and bringing pressure off the edges, especially against spread formations. Falcons have a great offensive line, a well-coached offensive line. If the Lions can succeed in getting to Matt Ryan, he does not handle pressure well. And the Lions, if they turn this into just a street fight where it's just punts and field goals and the play, it's under 21 points, they will win. Uh, otherwise, I could see the Falcons just kind of having their way with them. I think the Falcons are going, I don't think they're going to have their way with them. I think the Lions are going to have some success moving the ball. Uh, so far, Stafford has Looked like the largest contract in NFL history. Might even might be a little justified for him. Is Jim Bob Cooter still coaching that offense? He is. Greatest name in sports, by the way. Jim Bob Cooter. Dick that, Trickle would beg to differ. And Rusty Koontz, <laughs> the old outfielder. But we're not going to get into that one either. So anyways, um, I do think the Falcons are going to win this game. I think it's probably going to be 27-21, I want to say. Uh, and you're you're going with the Lions in this one, or I'm going to go with the Lions to hell with it. Yeah. All right. Is it in Detroit? I, I don't know where it is, but 
I am looking forward to this game. I think this is overall going to be the best game on another pretty crappy week as far as college, as far as well, both college and NFL goes. I think for college, we're starting to get into start a conference play. So we'll be starting to get more and more good matchups uh, here down the road. But for the NFL, just aren't a lot of good matchups so it's far. Just, seems like, you know, teams are just struggling to find themselves, which makes you wonder what they spent four preseason games doing. Not getting injured, uh, unless you're George Fant. None of these would, the problems would be happening if a second-year player who never played a down of college football at tackle or on the offensive line would be playing for the Seahawks. But such is life in the NFL. Offensive line is just a disaster. It really is. And I think part of it comes from college where all the spread offenses – all the pass blocking, people don't really know how to run block anymore. Yeah. Part of it comes from uh, not being able to practice with pads, not being able to hit each other in the training camp and really in preseason games. I, I think they're just not learning how to do it as much as they did in the past. I think what you're going to see is more – so uh, scoring's down, completion percentages are up, yards per attempt are down. Way down. Way down. So what you're saying is a lot more of the style that you see in college, which is short passing game, um, which is boring as hell. Uh, Sid Gilman would be rolling over in his grave watching, you know, check down after check down after check down. Push the freaking ball downfield. And with that, we are going to call it a week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. We have a full slate of college games. We have some good college games next week. have some good NFL games. I've got my Minute on Baseball where I'm going to give you my World Series picks. So got that to look forward to. Got to, got to make sure I get it in in 60 seconds. Yeah, you got to work on that. Yeah, I know. I spent too much time railing on the Seagull season. I don't think you really understand how short 60 seconds is. It's really, really, really short. And I thought I was talking fast, but my mind got to just wandering about that home run record. And I'll save the, uh, the, you know, mystery for you and say it's steroids. Everybody knows it. There you go. So it's 1994 all over again, minus the or sorry, 1997 all over Which again. Which was the best time in history for baseball. So give them all the needles they want. That's my opinion. All right. Well, that's that's definitely one man's opinion. So here we go. Thank you very much for tuning in, and you guys have a great week.